Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production, the podcast. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and joining me today, a friend and infrequent guest recently. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Mr. Thomas Chartran of Shoreline Digital Media. Tom, how are you doing? I've been I've been productively quarantining, so maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Our paths haven't crossed like they normally do. That is very true. We we used to see each other very frequently. Yes. And now we see each other very infrequently. But I think that's norm for everybody. But I do I do miss the get-togethers with the crew. Uh, I miss all you guys. And yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's definitely different. And, and I think that the world, and especially the production world, is becoming oversaturated with, you know, Zoom meetings and Zoom check-ins and... You know, we are in front of our computers so much for work anyway that that it's it's really getting tiring as a as a social aspect of life too. You know, it is true, and and I know just from myself, I've stopped doing sort of the social Zoom calls, and I'm just yes. I'm just kind of over it, I guess. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's just you know, I think we're missing so much of uh, the normal work life. You know, I'm I'm getting little sniffs of it here and there, like you are. You know, we're not together as much, but we definitely are in communication, and and it, things are easing towards that. However, slowly it may be at this point. Before I get to this week's topic, I want to encourage you to send me your comments and feedback. Please email this week in production at gmail.com or call me on my Google voicemail. I'm not going to answer, but it's it's a voicemail box that you can leave a message. 601-564-TWIP, T-W-I-P, 601-564-8947. Like I said, I'd love to hear from you, comments, suggestions, good, bad, or whatever. You want to yell at me? You want to tell me I suck? Please, I welcome it. Okay, let's get back to this week's topic. You you sort of uh, alluded to the fact that, you know, production work is not, I mean, for me, it's not anything like what I was doing before as a normal no. everyday stuff. I mean, I was doing live streaming, but that was an occasion and not a norm. Right. And now norm is doing live streaming and on occasion doing a shoot, like a real shoot. So how's right. that been for you from uh, from your business? Well, I mean, here I'm still doing a lot of local video production, you know, not so much on the, the commercial side of things like I, I normally do, but I still have a lot of those local clients that, that want video for their website. Some of them wanted some messaging during the quarantine period and commercials that say, hey, we're still open. Hey, we're complying with things. We're still here for you. Um, but the requests for being able to take video and do things virtually and live streaming 
have absolutely exploded. And, you know, thank God I had a, a sniff of it, a lot of time with you um, when it wasn't the norm. And now people are, you know, looking for that. They're looking for help with Zoom meetings. They were looking for help with virtual graduations. They're looking for uh, virtual events. And uh, I just wrapped up about a month of production on a, on a big one that, was having its 35th anniversary here on Cape Cod, which is the Boston Pops, Pops by the Sea celebration. And that normally draws anywhere from six to eight to 10,000 people on a weekend to our main street in Hyannis. And we have a great big pavilion and the Boston Pops come down and play with a guest conductor, guest performers. And this year they couldn't hold the event. And they said, well, we're going to do it virtually. And that was a a big event and a big thing to put together for a, a, a one-man production company like I am. So what is involved in that from from your perspective? Well, it was it was finding out from the client, well, how do you want to transition from not being able to do it and, and, and doing a, a virtual event? And how are we going to take this over uh, to be something that people will still be interested in? Uh, you know, people come to it for the social aspect for sitting down in the green in an afternoon of, you know, food and fun and live music. And so trying to put it into you know, a program that would still interest people at a time when there's virtual things going on at all hours and, and having it be something that people would look forward to was a real big thing. So not only was putting together a program important, but also putting together the, the social media side of it to promote it and get it out there. Um, I worked with uh, the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod that puts on the event and they brought me in to basically put together a, a look live event. So all pre-recorded. obviously we couldn't have any live performances um, on the green or anything like that. So they wanted to put together a program that, that would celebrate these the 35 years, incorporate some of the people that were supposed to be here live virtually. So actor uh, Neil McDonough, who was in Band of Brothers, and he's working on different shows on the streaming platforms. He lives in Vancouver. He's a Cape Cod native and grew up here and has a big connection to the community. And so we uh, wrote a script and did an open where Keith Lockhart, the conductor of the Boston Pops, calls him and tells him that uh, there's no pops this year and he's in his backyard uh, conducting to his kids in the backyard on their uh, little baseball practice thing and and you know so we made a little mashup of um, Neil conducting and and Keith telling him and he gives him this this pep talk you know was it over when the Seattle Seahawks and the Pats were down or, you know and uh, it was a fun little little open to get involved and we kind of pushed it from there, created some programming and worked with the pops to bring in some some songs that we could use. And we got uh, Keith Lockhart together on the green about a month before the event and did an interview with him and decided that we would do a sort of flashcard Q&A with him that ended up being about a four and a half minute segment. And uh, it was kind of nice because he could sort of, you know, unbutton his top button and not be the conductor, but he could be the human that a lot of people didn't know. You know, he was always up there being a, a performer himself. So we got to dig down and find out what he's into and and uh, had a uh, had a fun time doing that as well. So let me let me back up for a second. Sure. Did did they at what point are you getting involved in this? Like, did they need your help from like 
the first step, like planning, idea, thoughts, or did they already come to you with sort of a predetermined idea of what this was going to be? They, they came to me knowing that they wanted to produce something virtual. And we had some meetings and talked about it. I've had a long relationship with the Arts Foundation. And um, uh, they last shot a live performance in 2015 that I did. And they haven't shot anything since. And so there wasn't a lot in the archives of Cape Cod performances. Uh, so that was a little bit of a challenge because I was hoping to be able to pull from some sort of archive and they hadn't done it. So we, um, you know, kind of just threw some ideas out there. What would be interesting? What would be cool? How can we follow a format that generally follows what the last 35 years of the pops have been? So we came up with the idea of having a guest conductor. We involved uh, Neil, and you're, you're part of a, a virtual recording of the close of that. And they also have an honorary chair every year, and they decided that this year they would uh, welcome and honor the healthcare workers that have put themselves in harm's way throughout this crisis. And we took a performance of Here Comes the Sun that I recorded in 2015 and uh, put a lot of healthcare workers' pictures to that. And so we tried to create something that we could put on video that sort of mimicked the the show flow of the live performance so that viewers and they do have very you know ardent viewers that that love coming to the pops uh, so it would be something that they would hopefully tune into and and i think we did a pretty good job i'm curious from your perspective if the mm -hmm. if the client was knowledgeable about the quote-unquote virtual event or if you had to do a fair amount of education like how much knowledge did they have whether accurate or inaccurate about virtual events did you have to hold their hand or do you have to guide them or were they pretty up to speed with what is possible today to do there was a little bit of guidance so they had done back in june they had done a a virtual music festival and it came together across a few different platforms they had people coming in on FaceTime, uh, Facebook live uh, they had it switched virtually on one of the the other platforms streamcast or something like that that somebody did and they learned a lot about what they didn't know uh, there were it was hard getting connections it was hard getting things together and so in in talking about it I said let's step away from trying to produce something live streaming and let's do it all ahead of time let's get our program together let's really do something that can be a little more highly produced so it comes off looking rather professional and so educating in that realm I think they were like really we can do that and and so this whole process of doing something that looks live you've done a lot of look live video productions uh, streaming productions and I did one at, at a commissioning of a yacht club this year they wanted to have a, a GoPro out there with a drone flying over their flag and have a big speech and I said well that's almost impossible to do live but we can hold a ceremony we can make it look live and we can run it at the exact time you wanted to do it and that was an education and I think this was a bit of an education of you can do a whole program pre-produce it and let everyone think it's live right now I don't know where you fall on the uh, line of you know whether you need to tell people it's pre-recorded or previously live or it was never live and we're just making it look live uh, because I've done it right. I've done it all three ways and and sometimes I think most people don't care that it's not mm -hmm. live, like it's not like we're trying to bend the truth. We're just 
using the live mechanism of, let's say, Facebook to engage more viewers as opposed to putting a link up and pointing you to YouTube. You know, it's it gets, right. generates more traffic when it's, hey, all of a sudden it's live. Exactly. Then, then we had a live countdown and there's something to get ready for, like take your seats and all that. And one, one thing that was important for uh, the Boston Pops with the media that they provided us with, they did provide it with burned in titles saying previously recorded because the optics of people thinking they were getting together and performing live during all this was very uh, in front of their concern. That is true. And that is a good point in certain things that you have to, you know, say yes this was recorded right. outside of covid so you mentioned earlier that you had to uh, shoot something uh something was in vancouver with the uh, actor mm -hmm. and the conductor right. was here so tell me about how you put together because that was not done live streaming correct you actually had to have that produced and and sent correct. and edited so tell me about that part of the project that was interesting. So uh, one of the people that was involved in the process is there is a writer with the Arts Foundation. And he's uh, he does a lot of script writing and he's a, a really funny character. And so we put together this funny script and he had a colleague up in Vancouver who we contacted. I talked to him. He's a colorist and he does some uh, After Effects work in the movie industry out in Vancouver and the, the local production out there. And so he sounded like he had good shops and... You know, we talked it through. He was shooting it on a uh, Sony A7. And um, so we basically had the script for Neil McDonough. And I had said, let's have Neil do his parts because he's an actor. He can get them right. He can get the timing and we can edit it together. I need some B-roll to put in. I need some cutaway shots and I just need him delivering his lines. And then I'll cut in Keith Lockhart's parts, which we shot back here on the Cape. And we had those... Uh, separately. I fed him the lines, he did them, and he's not an actor. So I, I really wanted to have and know what I needed to have him say, cut, you know, cut them in the way they should be with an actor's delivery. So um, that's something that I put together back here. So were you, were you connected remotely to the Vancouver production in any way? Were you monitoring? Were you directing remotely? Not in the least. We had, it was literally working in an actor's backyard for one hour. He gave us one hour time. So the shooter and I talked through it. This is what I need. This is what I need you to get. And uh, he had one hour to knock out all the different speaking parts. And then he was out of there. And I was like, oh boy, this is, so we didn't have time to have lighting and gaffers and sound. It, it was a one man band type of thing. And in some ways it looks it. And in the other side, I'm, I'm kind of happy with how it came out. You know, it was fun. It looked like a, you know, sort of happenstance conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I think we pulled it off. People liked it. So you pre-produced the content. Some of it was shot and edited new. Other was archives. I mean, what yeah. other what other challenges did you have, you know, getting this? Um, and, and tell me about so the the show ran how long? Uh, hour and 10 minutes. One and, hour and 10 minutes. And yeah. what was going to be your delivery mechanism for the Look Live? For the Look Live, we used YouTube and YouTube Live. And at first, the client was talking about putting it out on all streaming platforms, which we could have done. But the real crux of the event is it's their biggest fundraiser of the year. 
So one part of the job was also doing a virtual auction with bidsquare.com. And I had done that three days prior to the airing of this event. And that was just a, a Wirecast live cut, two camera um, auction, 10 items. And so that was also part of the production. So that was actually live. But with it being a big fundraiser, I said it really, we should try to direct the audience to a homepage or a landing page on your website and we'll do an unlisted YouTube live video and we'll embed it there. You can have all of your content on that page about how people can donate, how they can be part of it. And, uh, and in all that, we did some more learning because they didn't have their own YouTube page. So we had created one, we put some promos up about two and a half weeks prior to the event. And then we did some testing to find out that the YouTube channel is too new to be embeddable in a web page. So that was one big roadblock. And you and I talked about that and how to handle it, what to do. A little bit of panic ensued. And I knew that I had had a YouTube channel long enough to be in, I believe they used to call it a director's level or something like that. But I've had it forever and I could put long videos up onto it. And I found out that it could be an embedded uh, link. And when that all went down and they realized they couldn't put their embed in there, they started to panic and say, well, what if something goes wrong with your feed? And so then I started thinking about backup. And so I contacted you uh, and you had informed me a little bit about, I had read about uh, Restream.io before, but it's a streaming platform in the clouds where you can schedule runs. And as we speak here, we've got a rerun of this Pops by the Sea going live on Facebook um, in an hour and a half. And I'm streaming that from Restream.io as well. And so having some redundant backup made them comfortable to know that we could get through this and, uh, and, and not have a crash. Right. So, so there's like a few things there that you went through that I just want to just back up and, and, and mention. Yep. So YouTube as your content delivery network, your CDN is a mm -hmm. good idea because it takes the cost of a separate CDN out of the equation. I don't know if they had a budget for CDN or not, but YouTube basically is a free CDN that you can then take that video stream and embed that on another page on another website, which is essentially right. what you did, but you ran into the snag of a new site and it doesn't have enough um, history or enough uh, longevity to have that feature enabled. Right. And, and the, but the benefit of, of YouTube also for post-event distribution is that live file now is already there and it's available for immediate replay if you choose it to be. So right. sometimes in, in like choosing where you're going to air some live content is also based on what's going to happen to it after. Right, that's correct. And we were we were conscious of that as well, that we had a limited time that we could keep it live because of the licensing of the Pops performances. So we were lucky enough to be able to keep it on YouTube and we're going to have it up for maybe a month. And so taking a separate CDN out of the equation left some room for them to be able to pay the royalties to the union and all that they had to do for those performances. Oh, good. So I'll be able to put a link into the show notes if people want to check out the replay of the stream. They Absolutely. Can, they can watch that on YouTube. And then you mentioned Restream. 
which is mm-hmm. a service that I first used about a month or two ago. Okay. I was I was doing these LinkedIn Live sessions and LinkedIn Live everyone I would assume knows what that platform is, but they're not normally known for live content. They've been very slowly rolling out a live streaming component to their platform. The okay. problem is it's in it's in private beta. It's been in private ah. beta for a good year or more. I'd say maybe two years it's been in private beta. I, I have a client who is in the private beta program. So we've been experimenting with LinkedIn Live videos. The problem is that it's so frustrating to use the platform. There's not a lot of documentation. It only works in certain applications. So I was doing Look Live events and I was playing them out of Wirecast because Wirecast is a partner with LinkedIn Live. They're a supported application. So you can basically use uh, Wirecast to stream to LinkedIn Live. So I was using that as a playback mechanism for these Look Lives. And I was running into weird problems like it wouldn't talk to LinkedIn when it was time to go live. And then we'd have a delay and I'd have to quit. Uh, I'd have to actually log out of the credentials for LinkedIn Live inside of Wirecast, log in as myself on another account that has no beta access, log out of that, back in as the client account, and then it would let me go live. And you can imagine, even though I'm playing back a file, it's supposed to start on a certain time. And when I can't, the phone's ringing, people are freaking out. So I've had bad experiences using LinkedIn Live Via with Wirecast, via Wirecast, but then I stumbled onto another partner of LinkedIn Live, which was Restream, and they they have you know you can do live streaming to them, you can use them as a CDN to distribute to other platforms, but they have this one feature that I was interested in, which is scheduled playback. Yes, and since they were a partner of LinkedIn. I said, okay, this should be supported. Maybe it works better than Wirecast. And I used it to play back a file and it worked perfectly. I was blown away with the credentialing. It was seamless when it took your information. It was almost too easy. I'm like, this, this isn't going to work. <laughs> right, right. It, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So you, you're going to use that for your restream of the pops and uh, that's that's great. And you you told us a little bit about the the snag you ran into with the YouTube account. But did you have any other production live streaming pitfalls that you ran into? I would say, I mean, you know, I, I did have an issue with uh, when I was doing the auction and it was it it was something that that I wasn't aware of because I was fairly new to the to the Wirecast streaming platform and it almost you know bit me in the butt but um, it was an audio issue where I was it, I wasn't able to get my audio mix out of Wirecast to the platform that BidSquare uses they use a WebRTC client and it was fine it took the Wirecast virtual camera but it didn't take the Wirecast audio 
and we were right down to the wire and all I could feed it was the Blackmagic Studio Mini Recorder or the Elgato Camlink 4K. I had the two cameras running off of both of those. Wirecast saw them great, they worked fine. But the direct audio coming out of my GH5s went through those devices. So I had the two people hosting the auction on one GH5 into the XLR going direct, and then I needed to roll audio out of Wirecast from some movies that I was playing back. One was an auction item that was up. One was another uh, commercial that was going to be played in there. So I literally had to feed the output of my Mac through the headphone into the other GH5 with a lavalier taking that audio so I could stream it direct off the off of the cam link. So it was a big workaround that I didn't have time to troubleshoot because we were live, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, those are the worst moments when it's crunch time or worse than crunch time, you're live. Right. <laughs> the client's looking at me like, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, I've, I've oh. seen that happen, though. The, and if you don't know what the virtual camera is, the virtual camera is a feature of several of these uh, streaming software platforms where you basically take your switched program output of the software and you feed it into another app virtually, not having to use any hardware into, say, Zoom or into Facebook. So it's right. a way to make Facebook see your switched program as like the FaceTime camera and it lets right. you do it all from one machine. But I have seen where the audio can be tricky, especially out of Wirecast. And yeah. the way I've combat that in my uh, experience has been in using Loopback, which is a great little $100 app that I mm. only recently discovered and it has saved my butt about getting audio from virtual sources into other virtual sources and uh it's been helpful but but you you came up with a pretty ingenious way to solve that problem i would have used loopback if i had it downloaded onto my laptop i've got it on my desktop here at home and it was such crunch time that i just didn't have the bandwidth in my brain to go to my mail, look at my serial number, load it in, <laughs> port everything through. It was one of those moments, <laughs> but thank God it worked. <laughs> right, yeah. So so you did the show. There, I think there was some concern with um, the website, right? You were concerned about the website, handling the traffic. How did that all resolve itself? That went really well. They, um, they, they were monitoring it live from their offices, and I was streaming it from my home office because I've got a pretty good um, upload speed here. They've got a very limited business account over there. And uh, so we were staying in touch over the phone. They had about 2,000 clicks onto the site, and at any one time we had between three and 400 viewers. What was really heartening about it was that as people watched, it really didn't go down. It, it held people. It, uh, you know, there's a, a, a fairly good following of people that look forward to the pops every year, and I was glad that they stayed with the program all the way through. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's encouraging. I mean, you never want to see and I've, I've seen it with some of these LinkedIn business videos where they'll record a 30 sure. minute show and the first three, four minutes it's high <laughs> and then it, it has a significant cliff. Goes and down. It's, yeah, exactly. it's, it's really, it is disheartening because you're like, man, I spent a lot of time and you, you kind of know 
yeah, this is going right. to be a turkey. But when you see the numbers plummet, <laughs> it's uh, it's a little disheartening. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was nice for the client to get text saying they're still with us. There's more. There's more. They're staying with us. And, um, you know, overall, that made them really happy. I felt really good because we had produced something that, you know, for a 35th anniversary of an event, you know, there was a little bit of pressure to to to, to make it something that people would would love and be proud of, you know, and I, and I think we did a pretty good job. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing your your production story. I always think it's useful. I, I do. When I hear people tell stories about their experiences, I always take little tidbits away and I file them in my brain that hopefully I can recall when I'm in that situation. So I do right. like hearing them. Thank you for, for sharing that. We, Absolutely. Uh, we will put a link in the show notes uh, with the replay if you want to check out Tom's work on the 35th Pops by the Sea. Is that the right name? Uh, Pops by the Sea, 35th Annual Citizens Bank Pops by the Sea. And then just going to give you a shout out, too, for giving me some of the tools to be able to get myself out of a hairy situation. <laughs> uh, anytime. Just just a little FYI, I had some sugar pops by the sea, but it wasn't 35 years worth. No, it, it, hopefully they weren't 35 years old either. Uh, they might have been, but it's really hard to tell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On that note, ladies and gentlemen, I will sign off for this week. See you next time. Take care. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening.